Hey, welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues and missions that impact both the missionary and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava, and with me today are both uh, Stephen Madoff, and we have a very special guest, Dr. David Schneider. Well, hey there, Tony. It's good to be with you. And as you mentioned, we do have Dr. David Snyder. He's our boss. Oh, boy. <laughs> so behave. <laughs> That's right. Boy, yeah, I, trust me, you know our prep. I am behaving. Um, so it is so good to have him. He is the president and general director for Baptist International Missions. As our heart is always about missions and the things we talk about here on the podcast, we thought, boy, why don't we ask our, our own our own president uh, to kind of give his insights on mm-hmm. missions and some things that uh, relate to the missions and the partnering churches. So let me bring him in. Hello there, Dr. Snyder. It is so good to have you join hey, us. Hey, well, thank you for uh, asking me to be here. Appreciate it. Well, some people out there who listen may not know your story uh, of how the Lord just brought you to this point. So in just in a quick summary, I know it's always hard to take years and put them into seconds, really. But if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give a testimony. Sure. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, I was saved at the age of eight. And then at the age of 10, God called me into missions. So I knew pretty much all my life that that's what God had for me and uh, grew up knowing that and preparing for that, went to college for that. Thankful that uh, I met my wife at college. We got married um, right after I graduated, and then she finished up her last semester of student teaching. We joined BIMI, and we went to the field of Alaska. We spent 10 years uh, in Alaska, first working with some missionaries in the capital city of Juneau, and we were there for, I guess, two, two and a half years working with them. And then we moved to a place called Talkeetna, and the Lord helped us to establish Talkeetna Baptist Church. And it was there that we were praying and thinking, okay, where do we go next to start our next church? Because we thought we'd be in Alaska for the rest of our lives planting churches, but making, since this is the Reader's Digest version, a long story very short, uh, the Lord directed us to come back to Chattanooga, and I became the Far North Director uh, for BIMI and did that for seven years, again, thinking I would do that for the rest of my life. But again, making a long story short, uh, God gave clear direction that I was to be the president and general director of BIMI. And uh, as of right now, that's a little bit over 10 years that I've been doing that. So that's the short version. Wow. I do feel outnumbered. I got the far north director and a previous far north director. We like to emphasize the far north. That's (laughs) good. Wow. Wow. Um, Well, thanks. It is good to have you with us. And, you know, as the president and general director, I know that you are quite busy traveling across the country, speaking at churches and missions conferences. Your office is near mine, so I see that you're, well, he's gone again, he's gone again, <laughs> and, uh, and things. So as you go to churches and as you present missions, in your opinion, how is it going out there? When you go into a church uh, overall, do you see a, a, an excitement about missions? Do you feel that part of your job is just to convince people about missions? Kind of what, what do you feel about that? Uh, yes and no is the answer to that question. <laughs> Some of that depends on which church I'm going to, but you've asked me to answer this in a, in a more general format. So I'm going to answer this from a little over 30 years of being in churches, uh, starting on deputation a little over 30 years ago till today. 
And I do remember that as a missionary going on deputation and going into a church, there was a really big excitement about the missions conference. And of course it was for us because we're looking to raise support. So it's really going to be exciting for us because we want to see uh, more support from that so that we could get to the field that God called us to go to. But but even so, just kind of, uh, if you will, taking the temperature of churches at that point in time and comparing it to now, I would say, yes, there is some somewhat of a change. Um, now, again, I answer that carefully because that's not true for every church. Yes, I understand. Um, you know, I, I have been to some churches recently that, I mean, they are on fire when it comes to missions, and I am just more than thrilled about that. However, I'm in a lot of churches that I think that maybe a little bit of apathy has creeped in, uh, maybe a little bit of, well, this really isn't necessarily worth it, uh, maybe a little apprehension about maybe raising money, and you know, mm. pastors sometimes are mm. like, well, should I ask my people for more money? And and there's a lot we could say about that, and maybe we'll touch on that later. But all of those things come into play, and sometimes you can sense that even just pulling into the church parking lot and or walking through the front door. Mm-hmm. Because I've been in some churches that when I get there, it's like, wow, there is a conference this week because everything is in place. There's yep. a sign uh, out front saying that there's a missions conference. There's been some mm-hmm. other churches I've walked in and I looked around and I picked up the bulletin to check to see if I was there at the right time because <laughs> I wasn't sure. Are they really having a conference this week? Um, so, you know, a lot of that comes to leadership in the church. That's a big factor. But also, again, the day and time in which we live and technology and comfort zones and, you know, a lot of things come into play there. Wow. So as you as you make those comments um in, in the change that you've seen and how there was that excitement when you were, and part of that probably is, I think, I can remember when we started off, not 30 years ago, but 20, almost 23, 24 years ago, part of that is your own excitement. You're new sure. to it and all. Mm-hmm. But then also, I think there is, um, I think, uh, I know Stephen and I have discussed this, that we do sense that there may be a, a change. Um what do you think is it is it a top-down change is it a leadership maybe has different view or hasn't been presenting and not in a negative way but maybe we don't emphasize missions as much as we used to through the whole year Mm -hmm. and we just have missions conference now as opposed to boy i better get and hit missions on a regular basis or do you think maybe it's something else Well, let me say that it's probably more than just one thing. And let Mm -hmm. me hit maybe the two that I see as maybe the top two uh, or two of the top uh, ones. One is, yes, I mean, it does come to leadership. So you do you do think about the pastor and some pastors, um, again, not being critical, but they just don't have an interest in missions. And, you know, to me, that's sad. I can't imagine pastoring a church and not having an interest in missions because of how I was brought up and knowing God called me to be a missionary when I was 10. So some of it is that. And then, you know, from the other side is also the culture and the society in which we live. It is so fast paced. It is so busy. People Mm -hmm. um, go to church, I think, sadly, many times just to fulfill an obligation. And they're expecting yeah. to get in and out in an hour or less, and boom, we got to get on to the next thing. Whereas years ago, church was a highlight of the week that you went and you sat and you were expecting to hear from God. Now everything is 
I hate to say it this way, but so many things are dumbed down to a five minute or a three minute or, Mm -hmm. you know, especially young people of today. Hey, if they can't get it in five minutes or less, they don't even want to hear it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is this is I say this jokingly and this will bring a smile to a lot of listeners faces. But I remember when I was told that when I show my slide presentation, (laughs) I should keep my slides to under 30 minute presentation. (laughs) You know, I mean, that was don't go over 30 minutes. Now you're, uh, you know, Brother Balava, you're the video guy here. I mean, we're talking three, four, six, eight minutes tops no you know? no eight minutes is see that's what i'm saying it has changed because yeah. we want to get it all digested just within a matter of minutes and expect mm-hmm. okay now god you do something quick with this mm-hmm. and, and you know god doesn't always well let me say it this way god god rarely works on our timetable mm-hmm. uh god has mm-hmm. his time his ways and they are so much better than our ways and mm-hmm. i think that in society we have really crowded out God and we just kind of throw him into the schedule and think, okay, well, if he's going to work, I'll give him this opportunity. If it doesn't happen here, well, then we're just going to move on to the next thing. So I think you've got several things going on there. And when, you've, when you're talking about from a pastor's perspective, uh, when you have a missions conference planned, if you go into it with that same mindset of what we just talked about, okay, I've set aside this half a week for missions conference and I'm expecting, okay, God's going to have to do something this half a week in missions. And if it doesn't happen this half a week, well, that's fine. We'll just wait till next year. Mm. The mindset I believe has to be of every time we gather together, I, I want to see God do something to see souls saved around the world in some form or fashion. And again, mm. if you're going to compare 30 years ago to today, I mean, Sunday to Sunday used to be missions conferences. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the mm-hmm. norm. I remember those. And those were long weeks. But now a lot of churches, hey, we, we, Saturday night and Sunday, and this this will be our missions you know, for this. And COVID hasn't helped with this either as far as uh, the gathering together, parts of this and et cetera. But I think all of that comes together and plays a part in this, um, be that as it may, sad. But here's the positive side. God is still at work. Mm. And God is still working in hearts and lives. And mm-hmm. we all just saw that in our last candidate school mm-hmm. and the number that we had here. Praise the Lord. God's mm-hmm. still calling and there are still people who are responding. So praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine if we lined up 100 pastors and surveyed them on do they have a heart for missions or they want God to to reach the lost around the world, mm-hmm. probably 99. Five, let's cut one guy in half because you'll probably go, yeah, I think so. 99 out of 100 are going to ease, like, yes, absolutely. But then somehow that's not translating into the churches, though. Mm-hmm. So what what are some things to create that missions culture in, in the church? So if a pastor is saying, okay, what can I do? I want to promote it. What are some things that you right. would think off the top of your head that you could— you know, say, hey, pastor, this is what I would try, or these are some things I'd implement in in the services or whatever. Right. As far as phrases that we've used, you know, I remember at one time we would say, you know, is this a missions-minded church? Mm -hmm. And and we want to have a missions-minded church. Then kind of the newer thing was, well, not just missions-minded, we want to be missions-hearted. And Mm -hmm. I get the difference there. I'll take it another step further. This probably won't be a new thing. This is just my thing. But I think that missions has to be the DNA Mm-hmm. of the church. And I think everything that a church does should revolve around that great commission that we've been given ultimately and obviously to bring glory to God because that is the ultimate purpose. So if it is indeed part of the DNA of the church, it's going to be in the forefront 
every time the church gets together, not just for a missions mm-hmm. conference once a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for me as just a missionary pastor on the field, I had a small little church in the middle of Talkeetna, Alaska, but it was not unusual that four, five, six, eight services in a row, somewhere in my message, I hit missions mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And just even to that little crowd, hey, is God calling you? And I think for pastors, if that is a regular part of their preaching and their teaching, and people hear that over and over and over again, they begin to realize, hey, this is important. Mm. And it's not just something that gets stuck into the schedule because, well, this is on the church calendar. This is really important. And so I think that continual over and over again, preaching the word and so much of the word has to do with missions that, hey, if it keeps being heard, well, you take young people who hear something over and over again. I hope that as young people continue to hear that, they would say, you know what, if my pastor thinks this is important and it's important to God because he's preaching that from the Bible, maybe this is something that God would have me to do. And so I think because of of those things, I, I think God can and he will use those. And even in my little small church in Talkeetna, I had people that were called to missions because of that. Uh, nothing on me for that. Please don't, don't misunderstand me. It was what God did through his word just because it was just part of me. It's part of who I am. Right. And I couldn't help it, so to speak, but to emphasize missions. Yeah. And, and, and I know even when I was in Australia, again, small church out in the middle of the outback of Australia, we would try to take missions trips mm-hmm. just oh, to yeah. expose people to missions. Uh, we would do a lot about reading prayer letters and, and making sure that it wasn't just something that's on a wall somewhere yeah. that people may walk past or never stop to read, but that it, we yeah. would make copies to give out to people and things because the more exposure, obviously, as you said, helps to uh, create that DNA in that right. atmosphere in a yeah. church. Absolutely. I think that as, as I hear that and you talk about that, we had the privilege to serve in Quebec and then in, in Arizona, and the Lord did allow us to see people answer the call to missions in, in both of those places. And, and as I hear you talk about that, I wonder if maybe do you think there has been a change in emphasis even as we enter into missions conference and maybe the emphasis now has shifted to we're raising money for other people to go Mm -hmm. as opposed to the emphasis is we want people to go and alongside of that we're going to raise some money. Right, right. Yeah, and I I see both sides of that. When I go into a uh, conference as a speaker, I try to get a feel for, you know, which way the Lord would have me to emphasize more. And sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know, and I just emphasize them both. But it depends on uh, a, a lot of factors. But I, I will say this, and I'll try and answer your question twofold. I'll hit, I'll hit both sides. First of all, on the money side of it, uh, obviously, it takes money to get missionaries to the field, mm-hmm. and it takes money to keep them on the field. And it's just, it is a fact of life. Uh, nobody ever said that the Great Commission was free and that it would not cost us anything. As a matter of fact, I believe Jesus was very clear about discipleship would indeed cost us a lot. <laughs> so the money side of it is important. And I talk to a lot of pastors who they're a little nervous about the money side and even bringing it up because, again, so many people today are so strapped financially because they've had to go out and buy the last and newest, latest gadget out there. And so he's afraid to, in some cases, and it's been admitted to me by pastor, I'm afraid to bring that up because of the situation. And, you know, the other side of that, or maybe the answer to that is this, that 
as a pastor, I believe that if he does bring it up with his church people and emphasizes this with his church people, he, along with they who gave, will be very glad in eternity that they did. Mm-hmm. However, if that pastor does not bring it up, I believe there's going to be regret in eternity because he as a pastor didn't uh, challenge his people to make this investment mm-hmm. in eternity mm-hmm. that can only be made now. And mm-hmm. once you miss that, it's over. While I'm here, I'll throw out this free advertisement as far as faith promise giving. And we've got a lot of listeners and some probably super familiar with faith promise giving, perhaps some not so much. Um, I, I got to tell you from personal experience as a missionary pastor and from all the churches that I've been in, and I think you guys would echo an amen to this, there is nothing like faith promise mm-hmm. when it is done biblically. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the key. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, I, I have followed some preachers who went in and an emotional hype about faith promise, and it has discouraged churches. Mm. And that frustrates me. Yes. I, I love going into a church and introducing faith promise. I usually use Second Corinthians chapter number eight. I use the first 12 verses. I just, I just go down verse by verse. And it's amazing after I've been given a week to, you know, half a week to be able to do that, how that changes the hearts of people towards giving. And they understand mm. this is not a high pressure guilt giving this mm-hmm. is a grace giving, an opportunity to give for eternity. You know, perhaps we have some pastors who are listening and not familiar with Faith Promise. I'm just going to say, listen, write us, call us, call me personally. I would love to talk with you more about that because I'm telling you, it will change the life of your church mm-hmm. if you don't have it now and you implement it. And I'm speaking from experience. The church where I was called to missions when I was 10 didn't know a thing about Faith Promise. I asked my pastor, can we introduce this? Would you be willing to? He said yes, and it changed our church upside down in a good way. So in that respect, there there is that side of it. Now, back to the second side of your question is the laborers and those who would be, um, there are some who would say, okay, well, I'll just throw money at missions and that'll be my obligation. I, mm-hmm. I don't have to go myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is that aspect, and there are some who think that way. But we are to give, but if God then also calls us to go, then we're to go as well. Uh, I give to Faith Promise, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm also a missionary. Uh, you know, I, I do both and try to balance all of that out. Um, but, you know, it's um, sometimes I use the feeding of the 5,000 as an example. Uh, Andrew, he, he brought others to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, and that— he brought that lad to Christ. What, boy, what if, what if he just would have kept his mouth shut? What if he would not have done that? And Andrew's kind of known as the soul winner, so to speak, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and that's the example that I think we need to point to. We need to be bringing others to Christ ourselves. So how do we do that? Well, in our own USA, you know, right where we're living, but then maybe God's going to call us to do that elsewhere. Yep. And it starts here, you know, as we're doing the Andrew thing and being soul winners here. And then in, to move then to another culture is just, I won't say necessarily natural because you've got cultural things, but as far as the soul winning side, you're just going to continue doing there what you've already been doing here. So all of us as Christians need to be willing to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to give what God tells me to give, and I'm going to go wherever he tells me to go. And I think, you know, as Tony mentioned, that there seems to be that mindset of marketing, let's hire mm. or employ a missionary to do world evangelism. Uh, 
when we go to a church and we do a missions conference, as all three of us quite often do, and we're, we obviously present the need and we're, we pray, mm-hmm. we pray diligently, Lord, touch someone's heart yes. to surrender to missions. Okay, let's just say an average church of 150 people. And you get one family that sur- would surrender. Yes, we'd be we'd be excited. Like, wow! Mm-hmm. That's, praise the Lord! This is so exciting. A family comes to surrender for missions. What about all the other folks then that are sitting? The other, let's say, 145 people sitting in that mm-hmm. church. What is something that we can motivate them to do? And and ex- get you know, we're presenting the need of world evangelism. But what about those 145 who's like, I don't feel called to missions. <laughs> yes. Well, here's here's the thing. Again, I'll go back to my home church when I was called I was 10 years old. But then I finally, when I got to that point of doing deputation, I was the first missionary sent out by our church. But I'll tell you what, that part of it alone, again, I've already talked about the faith promise side, but the fact that David Snyder, who these people knew since I was really, really young, he's going to the mission field. And it made them uh, aware of aspects of missions they didn't know anything about. They kind of knew about deputation, but now they're seeing David Snyder, who we've known all of our life, he's going out to all these meetings. What's he doing while he's out there? And it helped them to ask questions and mm-hmm. to get more familiar with what's going on with deputation. And you're going to the field. Well, what does it take to get to the field? What do you need? And so you talk about uh, a heartfelt investment that was being made at that point because of the connection, because I had grown up in that church. And so uh, those other, you know, 145, to use your number, as they see this happen, I don't think it's a matter of we're getting left out. It's a matter of, okay, how do we step up to the plate? and help these who from our very own assembly have been now called to go. What's my responsibility in getting them there? Mm. Something that we talk about often here to to kind of piggyback off of that is that many pastors and many people in the church don't want to see others called to missions because they don't want to see them go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're such an integral part of the church. And it's like, man, if God calls them, who's going to teach that Sunday school class and who's going to lead that, the the singing and who's going to do this? As a pastor, I wanted God to call my best people to go. Mm -hmm. And as a mission president, by the way, I want God to call the best people and I want the best people to respond because I want the best people out on the field. And Here's a here's a picture I've used. This this picture may be a bad picture, maybe a good picture, but at least it puts the, it helps me to understand this better. As a pastor, what I wanted for my church, if if you picture the church as a a pool of water, I wanted a steady stream that was coming in to that pool of water, and that would be people getting saved. That would be Christians who would be coming to the church from elsewhere, and so I would want a steady stream coming into that church because any pool of water, you need a fresh stream coming in. But any pool of water also needs an exit Mm -hmm. and needs something Mm -hmm. going out. So as a pastor, I always want a steady stream going out too. people who were going out to see others saved, going out to other places of the world. And that as a church, then I was I felt like I'm doing what God wants us to do as a church because I'm seeing people come in and I'm seeing people go out. So when we see somebody go out. Yeah, it's sad, but then we start looking, okay, God, who are you going to bring in to replace them? And if we have that steady stream, then that pool of water is a refreshing place for people to come, get what they need, and do what God's called them to do. Just to back up just a little bit of what you just said about uh, your church and and the you were called, and then there were these who were kind of watching. And a lot of our conversation um, today has focused on 
it seems like at least the pastor of the local church. But as you were commenting on that, it reminded me of how missionaries coming in for the missions conference have that opportunity to influence people as well. And what would you do or say to, we do have missionaries who listen as part of the, you know, to the podcast and, and especially those who are even on deputation, some of those who mm-hmm. are just in candidate school, how would you encourage them as they enter into a, a conference, um, to use that influence that God's given them to encourage people towards missions. Okay. Uh, obviously, I listen to as many of your podcasts as I can, and yeah, I remember yeah. <laughs> I remember y'all doing one on that subject, and, mm-hmm. and you all did a great job with it. Um, so basically, I'm going to echo what you said there, but I'll say it in this way. As a missionary, when you are on deputation, and this is the way I teach in our deputation class, it is the deputation ministry. Mm. And furlough is also a ministry. So if you enter into the church and say, okay, the ministry God has given to me is to go into this church and to minister to the folks here in the area of missions, not, well, I'm here and I'm sure hoping they're going to support me and I can't wait to get out of here and get to the next church. God can't use a spirit like that. But if you enter into it with that thing of, okay, I'm here to serve. This is a ministry. How can I encourage others? A lot of that will come through as you have opportunity to present because if a missionary gets in the pulpit and says, well, you know, God's called me and I don't know how I'm going to make it over there, but hopefully somehow (laughs) I'll be able to do it. Uh, That's a whole lot different than, man, God's called us. We are excited. God's Mm going to meet our every need. We have these goals set. And hey, maybe God would call you to come help us because the job is tremendous that needs to be done. Hmm. Well, I know we could obviously talk for a long time and um we do try to set a time kind of constraints but we never really we always go way beyond it we'll end with this to give a commercial okay uh we're here we are really kind of trying to encourage pastors to set a culture of missions i know at the end of march we have something annually now of yes. course covid covid pot, has changed some of that that's right. yeah but annually we do host something called the action conference for world evangelization yes so why don't you just Okay, sure. Here's your commercial time. Yeah, there we go. Free commercial. There you go. Uh, It's always the last Monday and Tuesday of March. Now, the word always there, COVID (laughs) permitting. Uh, You know, last year, 2020, we had to to cancel that one uh, just because of COVID. However, we're planning on having this next one coming up. But again, we'll see what happens with it. But our whole goal with that is to invite pastors and church laymen to come in and learn about missions, but not just them learn about missions, but us learn from them too. Mm -hmm. It's a back and forth. And uh, one of the sessions we have in particular is that back and forth of, I want to hear from pastors and I want to hear from church people. What are you seeing in missions? How can we help you? How can we better serve you? But also gives me the opportunity to say to pastors and church people, hey, from a mission agency perspective, here's what we're seeing around the world. And we want you to be aware of this so that as sending churches and as supporting churches, you can better serve the missionaries. So it is an open invitation and it's on our website, bimi.org. Just go to the the Action Conference for World Evangelization page, check it out. 
Good. Well, we uh, hope that this week, or this podcast rather, has been a help to you. Thank you, Dr. Snyder, for taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today. And uh, we appreciate each one who's listening and taking the time out of your schedule to be a part of the podcast each and every week. We truly count it a privilege to spend this time with you. If you're interested in Action Conference and learning more about that, you'll find the information and a link to the website in the show notes. You can contact uh, myself or Stephen. You'll find our contact information there and we'll put dr snyder's information in this week as well so you can contact him directly and uh, again thank you for listening and being a part of uh, this weekly podcast until next time have a great week in the lord